This week, we dove into the future of e-commerce and shipping in India with Sahil Goel, founder and CEO of ShipRocket. ShipRocket is the fastest growing e-commerce solution in India today. COVID has accelerated the business significantly and ShipRocket is shipping over 3 million packages a month now. This conversation was particularly interesting because it was targeted on the Indian market, a low trust consumer economy filled with microtransactions fulfilled by cash. Sahil gave a thoughtful perspective on how to increase transaction trust and why bringing transparency to checkout is the key unlock for mom and pop businesses in India. We touched on a number of interesting concepts. First and foremost, the steps of an e-commerce transaction. Then we talked about trust in the transaction. We talked about building out an ecosystem of partners and integrations and taking a Shopify-like approach. Why post-checkout is where loyalty begins for SMBs and building a hyperscale growth company in India. Welcome Sahil, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you for having me, Romin. Great to be here. Yeah, Sahil, really excited to have you on the show today to talk about ShipRocket, your thoughts on the future of e-commerce and, you know, just shipping in general uh, as related to COVID-19. But before we dive in too deeply, tell us a little bit more about your background and, and the journey to founding ShipRocket. Sure, Ramin. Um, so I actually come from an insurance tech background myself. Uh, you know, believe it or not, I never spent any time professionally working in e-commerce. You know, I spent several years working in India as well as the US. And uh, back in 2011, 12, basically wanted to pursue my passion, which was initially, you know, building websites, which is something I did since high school. And me and my co-founder at the time, you know, thought that we should focus on the SME market. You know, India has 50 million small and medium businesses, micro businesses too that literally had no tools to go online, right? So uh, it was just a bunch of ERP solutions and you know, that's it, like there was nothing. And this, this is the time before Amazon and Flipkart really kind of became anything. And uh, you know, our initial inkling was, was to try and build uh, a Shopify-like solution because and again, this is 2011, so this is before Shopify became like the big thing. Uh, but, you know, it was our initial inkling to kind of go and try to build that, which we did. Uh, and we used to be sort of called cart rocket back in the day. Uh, and as we, as we launched that kind of gained, you know, some prominence in the market, we very quickly realized that, you know, shipping was a pretty big problem in India. Uh, and that is for a few reasons, you know, it's, it's because India is still, and it was even more. Uh, heavy on cash on delivery back then. And the way cash on delivery works is basically that your buyer places an order on the checkout and just selects cash on delivery as, as the option. They don't actually pay anything uh, at the time of checking out. And then you ship the order as a merchant uh, through a carrier and the buyer literally hands over the cash to the delivery person at the doorstep. And that's how the transaction gets concluded. Uh, so this was probably 80% uh, of the payments uh, back in 2012-13 and a lot of the sellers just didn't have an option to get that kind of a contract or a service. So we built in shipping into our shopping cart as a USP and then that kind of gave us a big boost to grow the shopping cart. And then over the years, we started noticing that India was very different from the US, you know, whether it was the maturity of the sellers or the fact that they just didn't want to commit, uh, a, a, you know, even a small amount of money up front, uh, their sort of willingness to DIY, 
and, and sort of the emergence of Facebook's ecosystem. So I mean, WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook itself, we saw a lot of people just leapfrogging in many ways and just starting to push their products as pictures and posts onto social media, uh, rather than building a website and then driving traffic, sort of the, the more traditional way, let's call it, right? And that sort of gave us a thing, you know, a thought that, look, if we, if we were able to somehow power a part of the transaction for all of these merchants, you know, this is what will really help us make an impact and solve, you know, problems. Uh, rather than trying to retrofit uh, all of these sort of potentially millions of merchants into a model which which isn't really native to India. Uh, so we did that 2015-16 is when we started thinking about this more deeply. We already had shipping built in, like I said, and we had some proof of concept, we had some validation, sort of let's just call it the basic, you know, uh, uh, I mean, it was it was a production ready product, but it was just really basic just a bunch of integrations and a contract put together. Uh, and end of 16, you know, we, we rewrote our shipping platform. We branded it as ShipRocket and launched it. And honestly, within like three months, we had more paying customers than we had acquired in like four years uh, in the base platform. So that was it. I mean, that was the big sort of wake up call where we said, look, we've been chasing the wrong problem. and uh, we got to go after this. And this is really where, uh, you know, where, where, where the problem lies. So I think that's how Shiprocket came to be. It wasn't our sort of original idea, but it came from our original idea, which was to basically help uh, small and medium sized businesses uh, participate in e-commerce in a simple and, and democratic way. And so give us the brief on, you know, taking that premise in mind, right? And, and uh, I think attenuating to the nuances of the Indian market, which we'll unpack, you know, quite a bit. Tell us what ShipRocket is today, right? In a simple sentence and explain, you know, the state of the business today. Sure. ShipRocket today is uh, powering shipping for all of India's, you know, D2C market. And by powering shipping, what we mean is we provide access to the best carriers, we provide access to the best technology. We also provide access to the best pricing uh, and try to create an experience uh, for the merchant as well as the consumer, which is akin to that of Amazon. So the challenge with D2C brands or social commerce brands in India is that they don't have access to shipping the way larger guys do. That's just how the ecosystem in India is available. And we basically bridge that gap by providing a layer of technology as well as uh, of aggregation in between. And so there's a lot of talk today in terms of, you know, just how COVID has affected different businesses. I want to jump into that a little bit, but before we do that, let's just take a step back and talk about the modern e-commerce stack, right? So, you know, Sahil, the way you were, you were explaining it in terms of the problem you guys were first solving and then pivoting ultimately to ShipRocket, I think also points out a nuance, right, of what's going on you know, in the shipping segment of that e-commerce stack or what had historically been going on and why you felt innovation was so critical here. So talk a little bit more, right, about the shipping segment of the e-commerce stack and why you felt innovation was was critical here. So let me, um, that's a really interesting question. And, and let me let me answer that by first taking a step back and maybe describing sort of the transaction overall and then maybe jump into uh, shipping specifically. Yep. So, look, uh, 
a typical e-commerce transaction is is made up of three or four parts right there's there's acquisition which is top of the funnel you know you generate traffic on facebook or google uh then there's sort of the shopping cart platform or let's just call it the publishing platform because this could be again facebook instagram whatsapp in india's case shopify you know a bunch of other shopping carts then there's a bunch of remarketing engagement tools there's, 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 that whole stack is already available right leading all the way up till checkout and that is really where the problem starts because at checkout consumers are increasingly getting used to you know transparency around when am i going to receive my order can i pay extra and get it tomorrow um, can i return easily you know is my and again this is more of an india use case is my zip code you know cash on delivery serviceable uh if i want to you know return it do i have to do it myself and all of those questions start coming into the minds of the consumer right from the point of checkout and post checkout is really where the loyalty begins you know everyone knows that e-commerce is really a business of repeat purchase it is not about getting that customer to you know breeze through your checkout for once but really to keep them coming back and the only way that's going to happen is if consumers have a similar experience whether it is about getting the right support getting the right communication of you know where their package is uh you know it's if it's arriving early arriving late getting that communication on messenger whatsapp email sms so that they're constantly in the loop and they're not sort of uh calling the merchant saying what what happened i placed an order um similarly uh you know getting the right support getting the right sort of uh method to return and making it super simple for the for the for the consumer is really really where the problem lies right and automatically that translates into a merchant problem as well if you think about everything i mentioned in the after checkout part of the transaction it is all linked to shipping right which is why we don't see a bunch of tools you know available here we don't see you know a lot of global tools at least not entering india uh because shipping inherently is hard in india as it is i guess across many parts of the world so in a way it's hard because there's a lack of carriers available uh to merchants who can simply go and sign up and uh, easily plug them on they're generally the e-commerce oriented carriers are generally focused on serving larger customers like us or like amazon uh and Five years ago, that was fine because there just weren't that many small and medium merchants doing any significant business. But over these years, you know, this this market of direct commerce or direct selling has sort of exploded in India, thereby creating this huge gap in the market where all of these merchants are left with really no option uh, to power their order management, to power their shipping management, you know, label printing, tracking. All of those things are just sort of missing uh, in the market. and that is the stack that we are precisely trying to build where we are saying that look everything that needs to happen after the checkout is done uh, all the way till you know the product reaches the customer's doorstep or all the way till a refund has to be issued for a return will be handled by us you know we'll make it super simple we'll make it very very easy to use like a consumer app almost for our merchants uh, and we'll make sure that the consumer trust Uh, in this entire process is maintained again thereby trying to mimic an amazon like experience one well, so it's interesting because when you point out the nuances side of the way right the the gap for the solution for indian smes 
I want to I want to transition a little bit and talk about how that dynamic has either been accelerated or decelerated with COVID, right? I think in the U.S., the most mind-blowing you know statistic is how e-commerce in the U.S. has accelerated as much you know in a in the last twelve weeks and last twelve weeks, meaning there was a period between call it April to June or so, as it had in the prior twelve years in the U.S. Um, but I know you know from some of our conversations outside of the podcast, it's a little bit of a different dynamic in India. So let's unpack you know the effect of what COVID has done, you know, for the business and for e-commerce in India. Um, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit actually more about the immediacy of, you know, the shutdown by Modi and how you guys pivoted, because I know it was a, it was a pretty interesting, you know, interesting story for the business, you know, through that time period. Yeah. So it's, it's been pretty interesting for sure. You know, and like when sort of, uh, so let me, let me first answer your, the first part of your question. So look, I think, what COVID has done for the U.S. is is just mind-boggling in terms of the scale, uh, and some parts of that have happened in India too, right? So, for example, whatever growth you know India would have experienced in terms of e-commerce penetration, and maybe my estimate is three to four years, has probably happened in three months. So it's not as dramatic as the U.S., but it's still pretty dramatic for a country that was already growing at thirty percent uh, year on year in e-commerce, right? So so it's 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 been like literally everything is you know two and a half x or three x whether we talk about Amazon or the grocery shopping apps or our business for that matter right because what's happened is that with retail getting sort of shut down or at least uh, consumers increasingly wanting to avoid that many retailers as well as consumers have converted to e-commerce which means that you know people who earlier just sort of they could buy online but they didn't. Uh, at least for a majority of their purchase, because they could go to the mall or they could go to the store or whatever, they are now opting to do sort of to to buy it online, either from Amazon or from the brand website, uh, simply because they want to avoid any physical exposure, uh, you know, because of COVID. And I think a lot of this sort of first time shopping and selling behavior will stick because people will realize the convenience, they'll realize sort of the benefits of doing this and, and they'll get hooked because this is not a week long phenomenon. I think this is gonna become a lifestyle in many, many ways. So so significant tailwinds for e-commerce in India as well. Uh, you know, again, sort of, in fact, a lot more than what we had expected because, you know, we were also trying to tie it to the overall economic situation, just thinking that are people gonna have disposable income and oh, but, you know, people usually buy lifestyle products how will all of this essential kind of supply come online? And we were amazed at the speed at which, you know, like furniture stores and gym equipment and health supplements and Ayurvedic medicine, all of this stuff that, that didn't really, like they weren't really popular categories online, just in three to four months, there was all of these sort of sellers and, and, and hence, uh, you know, uh, their potential buyers that were, that were scouting online. So very interesting uh, journey in, in the last you know three to five months of what's happened. Um, the other thing I think that was unique about India is you know there, there's really two parts to the COVID situation here. Uh, again, this is not true so much for the United States, uh, but in India we first went went into like a total lockdown, right? And that's kind of part one where India was under lockdown for like six weeks uh, or more, where you just couldn't do anything. Like you couldn't move product, you couldn't uh, sell clothes, you couldn't sell anything that was non-essential. 
and essential basically meant like food or medicines that's it right uh, and as a business you know we given that we work in the d2c space we just didn't have those categories like we don't sell we don't help ship food um, you know or medicines for that matter so for us it was a pretty pretty interesting time where we went from you know doing like a couple of million transactions a month to like 100 a day you know so uh, <laughs> So you can imagine what that felt like, just thinking that what's going to happen and oh, look at the US, everything is growing there and, you know, we're stuck here, etc. But we quickly made amends, you know, we quickly kind of uh, revamped our categories. We went after a lot of the allowed categories at the time and we were able to build business back to like, you know, like a two, three hundred thousand a month. Again, still far, far short of uh, where we were, but at least it looked like, you know, things could sort of survive or open up um and this continued you know we continued growing to like maybe like 400,000 half a million or something till the time the the lockdown existed and we didn't know what to expect you know when when the unlock would happen uh you know i bought us for guidance we said oh it might take like six months to get back to volumes but we don't know you know people are losing jobs businesses are shutting down smes are going to shut down you know we were putting estimates on how many of our sellers would be back uh, and so on. But surprisingly, you know, when the lockdown was lifted, uh, like the first month, obviously, we only had a week, so we didn't really come to know. But the following month, which was June, we like we were back, like more than back, right? So we we crossed like two and a half million shipments. July was like three and a half million shipments. So it was crazy, right? Uh, and not just growth in business because there were more consumers and our sellers were growing, but we had a three to four X growth in the sort of the new merchants that we acquired. So we went from acquiring a hundred paying merchants pre lockdown to like 350, 400 paying merchants a day. Uh, and many of these were people that had never sold online. So they were people that had uh, like an offline shop, you know, like a local business. Uh, and they were dealing in everything from like tires to, like I said, you know, like vitamins and whatnot, right? Everything sort of just changed for us. Uh, in three to four months where we just had to deal with all of this new stuff, like new categories, new kinds of sellers, you know, they had to be onboarded differently, educated differently. And honestly, it put a lot of stress on our ops and our customer service. Uh, but hey, I'm not complaining. Uh, I'm glad I'm not in some of the other segments. And even though this is a pretty unfortunate incident overall for e-commerce, this has been sort of, this has been a big, big tailwind. How do you think about ShipRocket's positioning, right? For um, you know, for on a go-forward basis, right? With some of the underlying shifts you guys were forced to make, but then also just from a larger perspective of accelerated e-commerce adoption, right? So you you were mentioning, you know, you were shipping over three million packages a month, which is astronomical, right? Uh, in and of itself, but especially astronomical relative to where you know the business was, call it a year ago. Um, mm-hmm. As we come out, and this pattern becomes more permanent or this behavior i should say becomes more permanent because i fully espouse in that in that thesis right which is you had this kind of uh you had this kind of light bulb moment where people were forced to go online even if they had never gone online before but now that they are online and that pattern and that behavior has formed they will stay online right so the adoption curve is certainly accelerated how do you think about ship rockets positioning right um in in a post you know in a more steady state world where this is the e-commerce pattern yeah no, I, again, so uh, I think for us, like if I describe our journey as a company, you know, and 
so we started as being a integrations company an api company you know that provided apis to easily plug into different carriers so you could make it easy then we moved to becoming sort of more of a well let me service the long tail so we became a mobile based shipping company that was sort of the next phase for us from there we went into price aggregation uh you know more workflows for the sellers so kind of became a little bit of a back office you know invoicing analytics so kind of added more features around shipping that mattered to sellers and from there this year we moved into sort of more supply chain augmentation where we're saying look we got to optimize for consumer experience so how do we get all of the focus on the consumer of my merchant to make them feel good about shipping with us whether it is you know uh, fulfilling from our uh, warehouse and promising next day delivery or giving the consumer various options to say if they're traveling they could request a delivery on monday uh, or again all of the things they could do on amazon uh, we want to be able to provide so i think that's sort of the spot we're in at the moment and as this sort of direct commerce market is growing and as we keep fine tuning our focus on the post order part of the transaction one very interesting opportunity that jumps out is you know and as you mentioned steady state uh, is to focus on the trust element right in the transaction and trust for us is actually three way right there is trust that has to be created between the merchant and the carrier which is kind of what we're doing today right because there's all kinds of uh, disputes there's disputes around weight right disputes around uh you know an order not getting delivered when the consumer wanted it uh and bunch of other things and it is our sort of prerogative to try and uh create tremendous trust on us to say look we'll sort it out for you uh and you can trust us i think sort of the the bigger vision or the goal here that's a real opportunity is to also go and create trust with the consumer because in many ways a lot of these sellers are pretty small right just to give you a sense our sellers transact on average probably like $25,000 of sales a year right uh and we work with like 40,000 of them every month and again there's like a handful of guys that might be doing like you know 5 million 10 million you know uh, in sales but a, a large majority of them do like you know 50 transactions a month or something like that so so invariably when consumers are looking to buy from them they don't actually have a lot of trust right and countries like india are generally low trust economies uh, so i think there's a huge opportunity here to be able to build trust with the consumer that promises them a delivery that promises them like free returns if something is wrong or something is broken uh, or if they get duped for some reason so i think that is a, a very interesting play that will emerge as this sort of direct commerce market grows and given that for anyone to be able to do this successfully you need to have both sides of the marketplace's data which means that you need to know uh, the merchant's data you need to know all of the merchant's transactions you also need to know the consumer's data to know do they do this like every second transaction or if this is a genuine case uh, to be really able to make a decision using you know data science or some workflows so i think we're in a pretty good spot given that we already have accumulated data for 60 million consumers you know on our platform uh and obviously thousands of merchants that we work with so puts us in a very interesting space to be able to kind of put this 
wrapper uh, of trust around our business. So I think as this market grows and matures, that's really you know going to be a big big initiative uh, for Shiprocket to create in the market. I really like how you're framing around trust um, and the way you're describing it. You know, whenever I think of trust, I, I think trust parlays into three buckets, right? So it's trust in judgment, right? Trust in competence and trust in intent. And so what I'm hearing is, you know, the trust in judgment is, you know, can the consumer really feel that Shiprocket will get them, you know, the right tailored solution, you know, for their business and their customized situation? The trust in competence is, if you have, you know, assuming that you have the right solution that's right tailor-made, can you actually execute on it, right? Can you deliver on time in a cost-effective manner, so on and so forth? And then trust and intent, I think, for especially for low-trust economies like India, what I'm hearing is basically not ripping the customer off, right? Not having hidden transaction fees, right? Things that are not in their consumer interest. And I think it's really interesting the way you frame it and, and the focus of trust being so at its core for Shiprocket, because I think that also nicely aligns uh, with how the business model expands, right, from a solutions perspective. So Absolutely. I know that Shiprocket has recently expanded into packaging, into fulfillment, you know, some other additional areas. I want you to talk a little bit more, you know, about that underlying business model and how you think. And, you know, to me, as an out, outside in, it, it seems like a natural extension, right, of the sure. shipping stack. Um, but I want you to talk about that a little bit more and some of the initiatives on the horizon. Yeah, happy to, uh, Romine, and great thoughts on, on trust, by the way, overall. Um, see, I think for us, all of the newer initiatives that we build, right, at the stage of the company that we're at, they're rarely about expanding revenue streams or, you know, expanding margins. That's not really the focus at the moment. I think all of our, like, our focus, and again, we've spent nearly eight years in SMB tech in India and only around e-commerce. Kind of makes us a little bit of a, a, a specialist in this field and i think one thing we learned over the years through our mistakes and through our pitfalls was that we got to put the merchant at the center of our universe and whatever problems that they face we should take it on us to try and resolve right today yeah. we are playing in the post order part of the transaction because we believe that's super hard uh, we believe that there's the most amount of value to be created there and automatically all of the problems that exist there uh, become sort of opportune for us to try and solve. Uh, so we started with fulfillment. Fulfillment is, is a, you know, like again, very similar to Amazon fulfillment uh, product where, you know, we're aggregating warehouses across India, we're storing goods for our merchants and being able to promise next day delivery to their consumers. And we also integrate sort of this service serviceability API on our merchant's checkout so that when a consumer is sitting on, you know, the payment screen, they exactly see that, you know, if you order this in the next eight hours, you'll get it by tomorrow. Now that is a huge conversion booster compared to a generic text that just says dispatches in like five days. Right? So we're trying to create that experience by, uh, building obviously the supply chain to make sure that we can deliver on the promise uh, and fulfillment is towards that with a lot of D2C brands with their unique stories uh, and really great sort of packaging, uh, great consumer, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, intent. They want to make sure that they're able to deliver next day Pan India. And that's sort of a big challenge today. There is no option available at all to do that because if 
unless you set up your own warehouses for which you got to be super big. Um, so I think that's one. Secondly, we also launched our packaging solution again as a bulk buyer of logistics and space. We felt that we could bulk buy packaging as well. Uh, and then if merchants want to buy just like a hundred cartons or, you know, 10 cartons, we could, we could offer them like a great price because we don't care to sort of monetize at the moment on, on that. Right. We only want to make sure that our merchants who are a lot of them are first time shippers. They use the right packaging so their products don't, don't get damaged. You know, they, they know what kind of boxes or flyers to use when, uh, so that, you know, they understand what volumetric weight is and how they might get charged for it. So I think a lot of it is towards that, right? With the two initiatives that are already live. And apart from that, there are, there are a bunch coming. So, you know, we're in the process of launching insurance again, that'll make us the only one to do it. Uh, nobody in India offers insurance over 5,000 rupees, which is about like $75. Uh, we intend to offer it till whatever amount you ship with us. So that means you could ship like a TV or something even more valuable and we could insure it uh, with a partner in the back, right? And an API. Uh, we are also uh, wanting to get into providing support tools to our merchants consumers. Uh, Cause typically once the order is shipped, almost all of the queries after that, that a buyer might have are going to be around their particular shipment. Uh, which will be, where's my order? Why is it delayed? When can I get it? I want to return it. Where's my refund? And it's all around that shipment, uh, which is why we want to build a chatbot and an IVR uh, manned by then human agents that can be bundled into a nice service to say, look, I can help give support to your buyers because I'm in the best position. I can stitch up all these systems. It's just plug and play for you. Your consumers get a better experience. It's like working with a big company for them. Uh, and that's it. You don't have to worry about it. Right. So there's several other things in the, in the pipeline that, you know, that'll get disclosed as we move along the roadmap, but really, I mean, one way to think about it is that whatever problems that exist, uh, in the, in the experience for the consumer and the merchant after the order is, you know, kind of conducted, uh, we want to be able to solve that. And these are just some of the things that, uh, we have planned towards that. Yeah, I like that framing, especially because in the in, in in the Indian market, when you think of you know SMEs and all things that SMEs lack, right? Yeah. They post transaction, it's actually quite significant, right? It's not just the you know the actual shipping, you know, element, right? The infrastructure around it, but it's some of the things around you know packaging, warehousing, fulfillment. Uh, it even extends into finance, right? Capital finance, credit. Oh right? yeah, I didn't sort of yeah, I forgot to talk about that. So one of the things that, you know, uh, that's unique about our business is that we're not just a shipping and sort of, you know, order management technology platform. We're also a payments platform because, you know, even post COVID, even now, like 55% of our order volume, uh, is still cash on delivery. And the way this works is that money gets collected and comes into our escrow. And from there we settle it to the merchants and that allows us to build a ton of sort of fintech around that, you know, we've already done some where, you know, we extend a credit line to the merchant so they don't have to pay us upfront for the shipping because we know we can just deduct it thereby lessening the load on them to deploy money uh, into their shipping wallet upfront. We also have created a way where they can get their uh, order, uh, you know, their COD remittance earlier, which means that typically it takes seven to eight days. That's just, I know it's inefficient, but that's how, the market works. 
uh, and we've created a product called early COD where we're saying, look, I'll finance this from my own pocket. I'll give it to you on day zero or day one uh, for a small fee. And then you can sort of deploy that money back into your working capital. And then you get the money back, you know, in the next, I mean, we get the money back in the next six or seven days. So we kind of give them like a, you know, working capital finance against money due to them. Uh, and there's, there's great adoption for, we have like 50% adoption on that product, which just tells us that how, how much credit matters, uh, you know, to this sort of market in India. Um, so yeah, there's, there's more coming on that as well, because we, we realize that that's a key to seller success, because if they can get cash advances for paying on Facebook, paying to AWS, you know, for paying to their supplier, uh, they could actually sell more and then rotate that money very quickly uh, and actually kind of build a great, you know, build a very fast growing business out of that. Which is super significant, right? Because I think ultimately, Sahil, what, what I think what's most compelling about ShipRocket and, and you're hearing it in kind of each of the threads that you're unpacking is each improvement in this post-shipping or post-transaction, I should say, um, order, each element that's getting improved is actually unlocking more and more commerce, right? It's either it's making it more cost-effective, it's making it more efficient, et cetera, which by definition enables, you know, more new prospective merchants, right? That might be thinking of a business idea, et cetera, to get involved in commerce and in the economy. Um, and so it becomes a very interesting kind of plug and play um, to actually increasing overall economic activity. I, I think one of, the, one of the other things that I get really excited about when I hear you talk about the business um, is actually the build out around uh, data science and engineering and how you're thinking about it. You talked a little bit earlier about how, you know, you guys have over, I think it's 25,000 zip codes in India. Um, I want you to talk a little bit more, especially as the business is maturing and, and going into, you know, even more hyperscale mode uh, or hyper growth mode, but at scale, right, versus as a startup. Talk a little bit more about, um, you know, how you guys are thinking about the data science side and what are the insights, you know, that you hope to unlock with additional um, transactions and consumers on the platform? No, great question, Ramin. Very happy to kind of talk about that. Um, so th there's sort of more direct use cases for data science that are already built into the platform. Uh, and then there are some, like you said, insight-based uh, productization available that'll come as we scale transactions. So I, I, let me touch upon both of them. Um, the more direct use cases are around optimization. So we, we have, you know, tons of data, you know, around all of the transactions that have happened on the platform. And that tells us which carrier performs well in which zip code, right? And this is done as a pair of zip codes. So if something is getting picked up from a certain address in New Delhi, and going to a certain address in Hyderabad, uh, we have near real-time data of how every carrier behaves. And this data is, is made up of several variables, hundreds of variables, right? Where we rank them on speed, we rank them on delays, we rank them on unpredictability, uh, and, and the inverse of that, right? We rank them on last mile conversion. Uh, we rank them on how soon the money hits us, if it's a cash on delivery order, so there's a bunch of parameters that go into ranking every courier on all of these sort of uh, permutations of zip codes that are that are being run in India. And obviously this this sort of part of the data science is a pretty pretty flagship product that's been developed, you know, and this actually helps merchants save money. It helps them get their packet there faster. 
and it potentially avoids you know uh, delays in the in the in the supply chain because we are using data at a near real time level to say for example if i know that fedex has you know uh, i'm just making this up but let's just say uh, fedex has a choke at one of their hubs in hyderabad my platform automatically drops their ranking for hyderabad to say that look there's something going on here stuff is stuck at the warehouse at the hub and it's not moving so automatically the system recommends other carriers for hyderabad even though they might be you know like a few bucks few rupees more expensive because uh, we know there's no point saving those rupees because stuff is just going to go and get stuck there until the situation improves uh, so i think that creates a very interesting engine for the seller which otherwise it would be mind boggling because they'd have to compute like tons of data to do this and i mean it's just impossible to do it by hand or on excel to be honest and to compound the problem sellers transactions are very personalized which means that a transaction could be you know cash on delivery versus prepaid it could be like a 20 kg box it could be a half a kilo packet uh you know it could be like a local delivery or a pan india delivery or a within state delivery and all of these come with different pricing different quality uh and there's a bunch of products per carrier that are also available again very similar to how it is in the us so also picking what to use when just given all of these parameters and then this underlying quality score it becomes a pretty pretty a pretty interesting uh data science problem you know that that we are able to solve using the tons of data we've collected uh, a few other places we are using this successfully is in the last mile workflow so one of the problems there is to create a engine that is able to reach uh, the end consumer most effectively to understand you know or to capture in information from them around saying okay do you want it do you want this package because if it's a cash on delivery package and they're just going to say i don't want it anymore then there's no point even attempting the delivery it's just more cost uh and then if you want it what time would you like it or if your address is incorrect you want to update it and stuff like that so it's a it's a known fact that sort of gathering this information from the buyer using automated systems like ivr or sms or whatsapp uh creates a much higher delivery conversion percentage in india uh but the challenge is well how do you reach those buyers right and what time do you trigger the ivr call or what time do you send the sms so they see it and don't ignore it so given that we're starting to see some overlaps between buyers so if i know that last time i sent this to romin in the evening and i know that he heard it and then he pressed a button i should next time romin orders something from another one of my merchants on my network i should schedule his call for the evening because i know he there's a high chance he's going to pick it up so you know kind of building those kind of loops into the platform uh, really help us feed off the data uh, that that's getting aggregated more interestingly some of the more aspirational use cases that we are now working on are around fraud prevention you know so there's a bunch of buyers that will sort of place orders on cash on delivery uh, and then just never take them right so we literally have a buyer score where if i identify them you know through my network i know that you know i inform the merchant i flag the order uh, and some merchants have even taken this api to their checkout where they're saying that look if this buyer is x i would rather not give them a cash on delivery option at all because it's just going to cost me two way shipping money and i i won't make a sale uh, we have also been able to develop some intelligence around addresses right because india addresses indian addresses are not 
uh, as well codified as they are in the US. You know, it's like sort of it's so it's true. They, they follow some pattern in, in regional clusters, but it's still pretty vague. So we got to rely on historical data to say, you know, like behind, uh, you know, XYZ temple in a small town is a perfectly good address. So literally it could say Romin Sheth, you know, behind Shiv Mandir in Hyderabad. That's fine. Not Hyderabad, but like a smaller city in like some city in Sikkim or something, right? That'll work. But in Delhi or Bangalore or Bombay, it's not going to work, right? So how do you then sort of figure out that, oh, okay, what's a good address and how do I, you know, build an API and publish it on the checkout and then to the merchant in their backend so they could potentially do additional calling or something to the buyer to figure out what their complete address is. So I think a lot of such use cases are becoming very interesting as our data sets are growing. And I'm sure, you know, there's there's more we can do with this, uh, you know, that, that we haven't even thought of today because it's very interesting data. You know, we know exactly who's buying what, we know who's selling what, uh, we know what payment methods they use, we know how many times they buy uh, and a bunch of other information. So so it's, it's very, very valuable data and it's for a segment of the market uh, that this data isn't aggregated anywhere else. Because if you think about it, you know, Facebook has a part of the data, Shopify has again, a part of the data, Google might have part of the data and then our carriers again, because it's multiple carriers, they'll all have a little part of the data but it's not sort of the dots aren't connected anywhere apart from a platform like us that just sits in the center and plugs into all of these ecosystem partners. And then we have sort of a great chance of making sense of this data and doing something about it. I think one of the really interesting things, you know, Sahil, the more you talk about it, the more I, I get intrigued about, I'm curious how you guys have thought about this is just how all of these different solutions, right, become different entry points for different customers. I have to imagine you're seeing in the data customers that come in, you know, that one day just have a packaging problem and haven't thought of kind of their full end end, end kind of shipping stack, but just have a packaging problem, you know, come to uh, come to ShipRocket, have a good experience ostensibly, uh, and then, you know, almost natively get upsold or extended into all the other ShipRocket solutions. Do you guys yeah. see these different elements like fulfillment, packaging, shipping, you know, uh, I know there's Sarla also, which I'd love for you to talk about a little bit, right, for hyper-localized. Do you see these as different entry points for different segments of customers? Yeah, so absolutely. I think this is a bit new to our platform, given that some of these uh, adjacent products are fairly, uh, fairly fresh, but we are already seeing, you know, some, some traction where, uh, so, so first of all, we saw some of this with our core platform itself, because that too has several sub-components. For example, the whole tracking product is called post-ship, right? The COD product by itself has people signing up saying, oh, I just want to get COD. And then they realize that, oh, I can actually do the whole thing here. And then they'll kind of give us their shipping. Or somebody comes in saying, I already ship with XYZ carrier, but I want better tracking. So that's what they'll come to us for. But then they realize that they can very easily just kind of uh, use us for doing the whole thing. So we already saw some of that happening. And then now with fulfillment and you know uh, with our packaging solution, we also kind of during the pandemic launched a, a free website solution. We already had it uh, in the works for a long time, but we kind of put it out there and made that hyper-local along with our hyper-local delivery app, which is called Saral, which means, you know, Saral is simple in Hindi, right? So we basically launched that and we, we are now seeing a bunch of users who are slightly different from our core ShipRocket audience, but that are signing up to those products 
and uh, some of them have already bought in to the overall shiprocket platform some we're hopeful over time will buy in with you know with the shiprocket social platform which is our free website platform there we're seeing a, a very good adoption where a good 15 20% of the users that use that are automatically also subscribing into shipping because the moment they generate orders it's like it's a no brainer for them to just say oh you know what one button and that's it now i can ship through shiprocket and collect collect payments as well so so it's interesting to kind of imagine what else we could build you know over the years to create these multiple funnels uh and create our outreach sort of to the you know much larger masses who may have different use cases on their minds at different parts of their e-commerce journey and talk a little bit more sahil about how you think about you know building internally versus partnering right so you guys have developed a pretty robust partner ecosystem it sits across things like technology carrier fulfillment etc as you think about you know these different offshoots for the business um how have you guys thought about you know developing out the partner hub right that shiprocket connects into and and what it means for prospective uh, consumers yeah absolutely so i think you know what what we've built is it's very akin to uh, how a bunch of ecosystem saas companies have gotten built in in the us but the difference is that in india we have to bundle a lot of that and make it managed so it doesn't look like a saas company as much as that of a managed platform but in reality we actually you know we're a completely asset less company right we don't invest in uh, our own uh, spaces in warehouses or hubs we don't invest in our own fleets you know we are we are only investors in shop, in 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 our software as well as the data and the workflow that's all we want to own because that's all that's needed for the merchant and our belief is that the ecosystem already has all of these components you know that have gotten built they may have gotten built for the larger enterprises which is fine uh, but they're already there so then it creates a very interesting opportunity to say why couldn't i plug into everything out there and create this seamless experience for the merchant so they don't have to think and it's all there right so to give you an example you know we plug into every shopping cart that's out there in india uh like shopify magento you know uh, presto shop woocommerce whatever uh we plug into all of the marketplaces like flipkart and amazon you know to pull in inventory pull in catalog uh pull in orders push the statuses of shipping back push the payment status back once a cash on delivery order is is finalized uh we pull in data from popular erp systems uh we pull in data from popular inventory management systems uh you know so so that for the merchant it's all sort of very easy to say that you know i could be selling on shopify and amazon and in my physical shop and i just sort of need to connect them once and then i could use the shiprocket mobile app to punch in my in store orders and i could pull in amazon and shopify orders and then everything gets synced in one place and i can all ship them out at once right so um so on the channel side you know uh, or the order channel side we're able to pull in Uh, a bunch from these places we also have our own apis and our own mobile apps on android and ios which also create for uh, integrations of sorts we have tried toying with integrations with facebook messenger uh, using a bot which which kind of didn't work out that well but that's something we're constantly thinking about how we create a structured data api uh, or a, like a bot based flow or a link based flow or something within whatsapp and facebook messenger given that they comprise of like 35 40% of our business literally right so that's an again a very interesting dynamic in india 
um so that's that on the channel side on the carrier side again very deep partnerships and very very deep integrations with pretty much every carrier every prominent e-commerce carrier in india whether they are doing road transportation uh, bulk transportation package transportation air transportation or local or bike transportation uh, we are integrated to them so we have nearly 20 carriers with us uh, nearly you know 15 18 channels that have been integrated and as we are moving forward now you know fulfillment is another uh, sort of integration because like i said we don't own the warehouse right we are simply partnering with somebody tying up a contract and then using our tech uh and integrations to work with them uh you know we are when we launch insurance again it's not going to be something that you know that we offer right it's it's we're going to tie up with somebody or or couple of people couple of insurers and we'll sort of make the integration possible seamless within shiprocket uh all of the sms and calling integrations like the cloud telephony integrations are all built into this as well so again if i think about it there's there's probably over like 100 integrations that are here already is just that we don't package it like that because the idea is to keep it extremely simple for the merchant so they don't really need to bother with what's under the hood for them it should be just plain vanilla you know shiprocket does this for me and how they do it is their problem and we we want to keep it that way because that's sort of the dynamic in india but in the back end we're really working a lot with the with the ecosystem and as we move forward we intend on doing that even more whether that's around helping them with marketing or helping them with fintech or lending right or helping them with sourcing their products so there's a lot we can do uh using the ecosystem approach uh and again heavily inspired by what shopify does in that in that segment uh so we're very very sort of excited about uh you know the whole partnerships and and integrations element of the business saho as we as we round out the conversation um and this is a this is a relatively new question i'm asking you know to each of the guests or uh, on on the show you know if you were to give one underlying insight about shipping right that um that unlocks you know the massive opportunity that shiprocket is in um that we haven't talked about today you know what would it be no i think it's a very interesting question romin and if i was to think about it you know just as a sort of first reaction you know my answer would be that just keep it simple and i know it sounds like a like a cliche response but the reality is the market we are in is actually extremely difficult to keep it simple you know because logistics is not a simple business it's fairly complicated we've got a uh, an extremely large market of users who behave like consumers right so how do you build an extreme b2b product uh, as a consumer product and then make the experience so simple uh, centered around the merchant i think that really is our you know usp if you ask me and that is our uh you know winning point uh in many ways right again if i was to think about all the things we did wrong and did right that's what jumps out at me as you know the single single insight is to just keep it super simple uh for these kinds of markets all emerging markets have similar characteristics and and that's what you know i think uh, we've learned uh through our journey i love that sato especially because so i don't think it's cliche at all by the way because i think the most um the most impressive businesses often look extremely simple on the surface you know uber you press a button and a and a car appears but are incredibly sophisticated and challenging you know from an operational basis on on the back end um it's uh it was awesome having you on the show sahil i i learned so much from you and i'm so excited to see how shiprocket you know continues to progress as um you know massive opportunity in india and really solving 
I think what will be a you know net positive you know for for the economic landscape for so many small you know medium sized merchants. So again, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate having you on. Thank you, Romine. Thank you so much for your wishes and uh, great great interacting with you. Thanks so much for for having me on the show.